All right. Whew. October 1st. Man, that's amazing to think about. And this morning, we're going to be starting a brand new message. And, and here's the deal. Like, I, some people always ask me, like, how, how do you... How do messages come? How do things come about in your mind? And, and sometimes um, it, it happens fast and sometimes it happens slow. This is actually one of these messages and series that kind of came in, in kind of a really kind of a slow burn, if that makes sense. Um, and it happened over the period of, of basically um, about a year and a half. I kept seeing things that kind of moved me in this direction. And it was kind of like, oh, okay, I think I know what God wants us to do. But then he kind of kind of said, hold off on it, wait. And, and finally, I believe it is time to look at this series, look at this thing. I believe that God's timing is perfect, and I'm excited to be able to share this new series with you that is entitled Moving Towards Maturity. Moving Towards Maturity. And again, as I kind of was looking at this message and the things that I want to share and talk about throughout the next several weeks, it's been kind of interesting how I've, I've just seen different things. God had brought things to my memory or even like web pages that I was looking at where I was not thinking about messages or anything of that nature. And like I would see an article about these types of topics and, and it was just, God was just con continuously kind of confirming these things. So again, I'm very excited as we kind of jump into this series of messages over the next several weeks because I believe that God has some, some really important things for us to see and understand, not just as individuals, but as, as families, as, as in marriages and as relationships between us and our kids or us and our grandkids or, or, or uh, you know, our, our church. And so I'm excited to kind of share this with you. But one of the things that kind of came to my mind that kind of helped me realize where God wanted us to go was um, as, as I've been in ministry now, and this is kind of crazy because I don't, I don't feel older, but I know I am at the same time. Like I've been in full-time ministry now for over 20 years and that's impossible because, you know, I'm 22. And so I don't know how that happened, um, but I, I could speak it too. So I don't know what the, the situation was there. But at the same time, as I've been a part of the ministry, one of the things that I do is, is, is there'll be times where people will have surgeries. And they'll have situations, some of them very, very serious. Some, well, I guess every surgery is serious, but, but some that are more um, maintaining certain things. And when I was a youth pastor, one of the things that seemed to happen a lot more than I was expecting was how many of the kids actually needed surgery because they played sports, football, basketball, wrestling, baseball, I mean, all, soccer. And, and I was at the hospital a lot more than I thought I would for knee surgeries and, and arm surgeries and shoulder surgeries and all these sort of things. And so I would go, you know, and here's this 15-year-old guy or gal, depending. And I mean, they were just kind of like, they never had surgery before. They're kind of a little like, oh my goodness, this is weird. Um, you know, they, they've seen all the videos where people put them to sleep and then they come back funny and all that sort of stuff. And, and so I would be and I'd pray for them. And, and usually I'd leave and they'd have the surgery and I'd come back you know, a day or so after to visit them and see how they were doing. And I remember one of the things that, that always happened, and, and it was kind of strange for me because I had never really had major surgery before, and I was kind of surprised by this, but I would come in. I remember one time in particular, I had a, a youth guy, and he had, had played football. And he had this massive knee surgery on his, on his left knee, and I had come back like the next day, and he's, I find him walking the halls. And I'm just like, dude, how are you breaking the rules? Like, you just had surgery. What are you doing? His name was Brandon. I said, Brandon, what are you doing? Like, do they know you're doing this? And he looked at me and he said, I, I just remember these words. He said, Aaron, 
I said, yeah. He said, the doctor came in. I, I, you know, I said, yeah. And he said, he, said, he said to me these words. He said, you got to get that thing moving. I said, we got to get it moving. He said, yeah. I said, does it hurt? He says, yeah. He said, but I can't let it sit. I got to get it moving. And I remember seeing that and, and talking to other people who've had surgeries. I mean, my grandmother had hip surgery and she's in her 90s. And they were the same thing. You got to get it moving. I read an article, again, I'm telling you how it's all kind of about. I read an article about how they were able to kind of do some tests and find out that, that, that they could kind of guess when you may or may not actually die based on your movement and how much you could move. And of course, as all this is kind of rattling on in my head, this is all about physical things, but at the same time, I'm going, how does this apply spiritually? How can we understand this in a spiritual way? Because here's what I've learned in my own life, and I bet you this is probably true about some of you, is there are probably some areas in my life that I'm real good at moving. I keep it limber, I keep it moving, I'm strong there, and there are other areas that I really haven't been moving very much. And because of that, I've had some issues and I've had some problems. The verse that we're going to be looking at probably every week as kind of our main verse for this series is found in Hebrews 6, the first part of chapter or verse 1. Before we look at that, let's pray. Father, we love you and we thank you. And God, as we look at these things together, God, as I know you've placed this on my heart, Father, I believe you've already prepared hearts that are here this morning to be open and receptive, not to what I share, but what you share through me. Because my words need to stop and yours need to start. Because your words change things and change hearts and lives. So Jesus, we would ask that you would do that and help us as we look at these things together. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Hebrews 6, the first part says this, Therefore, let us move beyond the elementary teachings about Christ and be taken forward to maturity. Taken forward to maturity. You see, I think there's some areas that for all of us, we need to grow in. And I think one of the ways that we can do that is to keep moving and to allow that idea of movement to be something that we look at over the next several weeks to help us do that. Because here's what I found. And again, I found it in my own life. I found it in others. Is this, when we stop moving towards maturity, stagnation begins. Stagnation leads to decay and ultimately decay leads to death. And for some of us, there may be areas in our lives and in our hearts where maybe we, are, we kind of stop moving. We've kind of stopped growing. We've kind of stopped growing in our maturity and instead kind of stagnation has kind of come in. And again, when stagnation happens, decay begins to set in. And eventually there's areas in our life that because we haven't moved, because we haven't grown, they're, they're really leading to some areas in death. But I got some great news. You see, our God is pretty good at taking dead things and making them alive again. So even if there are areas in your heart where you go, man, I haven't moved this in so long. It's, it's, it's dead in so many ways. That vision or that plan or that dream or, or this area of growth uh, in this relationship is dead. I would encourage you this morning, listen, nothing is dead when God is involved. And he can bring it back to life. He can bring you back to life. And he wants to do that. 
But a question that we need to ask, and again, this morning we're really going to kind of lay the groundwork for the next several weeks, okay? As kind of an introduction to this series. But this question I really want you to be thinking about, I want you to write it down and kind of be on your mind over the next several weeks, is this, where have you stopped moving in your faith? Another way I want to put it is, where has your spiritual range of motion been limited in your relationship with Jesus. Where has your spiritual range of motion been limited in your relationship with Jesus? Because even if there's areas where you're going, well, I I'm moving it, but you're not, you, you don't have the range of motion like you used to. You see, I believe that God wants us to grow. I think God wants us to grow more than you and I want to grow. And I think he wants to help us to find areas in our heart, in our life, where maybe we're not growing like we should. And again, the nice thing about this is, man, you can have great range of motion and movement in your right arm, and you're doing great there. And that's awesome. But God says, listen, I gave you a left arm too. I want that to move as well. And sometimes what we do is we tend to focus in on our strengths and miss the fact that God wants to do something also in our weakness. Because our strengths we can handle. Our strengths are things that we kind of look at and go like, like, I like this. I want to talk about this. I'm really good in my prayer life. So let's, I'm a, and there's nothing wrong with this, but we see this all the time. I'm a prayer warrior. Awesome. Great. I'm so glad. But maybe there are other areas of your life that God also wants to use you in. But because you're so focused in on your strengths, you're not allowing God to move and grow you in some of your weaknesses to make you more holistic in your growth. And that's what we're going to look at over the next several weeks. Where are there areas that maybe we've neglected? Where are there areas that we need God to come and help us to grow? Because here's the thing we need to really understand if this makes sense. And this is important that you get this again as we lay the groundwork for this series. Our faith was initiated by movement. It was initiated by movement. Let me show you what I mean. Mark 10, Mark 10, 45 says this. It says, for the son, even the son of man came not to be served, but to serve others and give his life as a ransom for many. Notice there, he came and he served. He was in movement. He was doing something. Jesus didn't just sit there and let it happen. He got involved in what was happening. And because of that, we can also look at Romans 5, 8. I love this verse. It's so great. Oops, are we a little bit behind? That's okay. You're okay. There it is. Awesome. Thanks, Michelle. It says, but God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. Man, I love that verse. I love it because it shows movement. It shows the active thing that God was doing. He sent Jesus, and he doesn't send Jesus when you get it all figured out. He didn't send Jesus when you became a really great person or when you did this or did that. He does this when you basically aren't moving. In fact, you're moving the opposite way. All of us were. And so he says, listen, I'm going to move towards you. One of the things I, I love to talk about when I talk about Christianity and the difference between other ideas and thoughts is Christianity is a religion and a relationship where God initiated it. God said, listen, you messed it up, but now I'm going to send a rescuer. 
I'm going to make a way where there wasn't any way. He sent Christ. Christ came to serve and to die. He came for us. And because of that, now our lives as followers of him should also be a life of movement. It should also be a life of growth. It should also be a life where we can look at it and say, man, I'm moving towards maturity. Because look at this. Look in Matthew 4. In Matthew 4, 18 through 19, Jesus has just really kind of begun his ministry. We, most of you know this passage of Scripture, but look here. Look here as far as the idea of movement that we see. So Jesus is walking along the shore of the Sea of Galilee. Movement. He's not stationary. He's moving. He's walking along. He saw two brothers, Simon, also called Peter and Andrew, throwing a net into the water for they fished for a living. Again, movement. They're throwing nets. They're moving around. They're working. They're doing something. Now look at verse 19. Jesus called out to them, come follow me. Even the calling of the disciples have this idea of movement. You are following. You're walking. We talk about all the time, God has a journey for you. Journey indicates movement. It's not stagnant. It's moving. And listen to what he says. He says, I will show you how to fish for people. And then look at verse 20. Look at their reaction to Jesus initiating them and into movement. And they left their nets at once and followed him. Do you see the movement there? They moved. And here's what's awesome about this. Not only do they move away from something, they move towards something. And that's sometimes what we forget a lot of times pastors get up and say, move away, move away, move away, move away. And that's great. We need to. But we also need to understand what we're moving towards. And part of this message is, and series of messages is help you to understand and see and apply practically in your life how to figure out how to move towards something. The idea of moving towards Jesus and following him. That's one example of how Jesus calls some disciples. But let's look at another. Let's look at Matthew. In Matthew 9, he, he's sitting there. He's a tax collector. Matthew obviously wrote his book about that bears his name. And look what it says in Matthew 9, 9. It says, as Jesus was once again walking along, he saw a man named Matthew. Now here we see a change. Sitting. Sitting at his tax collector's booth. Now we're going to stop here for a second and just very briefly kind of remind you what he was doing here. Okay? And to kind of get you an idea. Tax collectors hated. Hated, hated, hated. They were rebellious. They were, they were on the other team. They were the, the people that nobody liked. They cheated. They stole. They did some horrible, terrible things. And just before you kind of say, oh boy, tax collectors are horrible. I won't speak about you, I'll speak about me. That kind of sometimes kind of describes my life. Rebellious, on the wrong team, if that makes sense. Cheating, stealing, lying, sinning. And it's interesting that in that moment, he's sitting. But look what Jesus says. Follow me and be my disciple. Jesus said to him, so what does Matthew do? Got up and followed him. Over the next several weeks, one of the things that I think you need to understand, and listen, if you have your Bible and you mark in it, mark those words, get up 
and follow me. Okay, get those underlined. If you use your phone, get those underlined. Get up and follow me. Some of us in certain areas of our life need that and challenge and that encouragement. It's time to get up and follow Jesus in that area. It's time to get up and allow him to grow you in that thing. Because here's the deal. As I kind of give you the point for the whole series, over the next several weeks, we're going to talk about some habits and some disciplines of movement that mature and grow us in our relationship with Christ. Some habits and some disciplines that you can take and use to help you grow and help you to continue to get that thing moving, whatever it is. And here's the deal. Probably everybody has a little something different. And, and, and I don't know what your movement needs to be, and I don't have to. God knows. And he wants to speak directly to you about that movement to help you. But, but here's the thing. For some of us, we haven't been moving. So this morning, to kind of lay the groundwork for other things that we're going to look at through the series, we're going to talk about some of the things that cause spiritual immobility in our lives. Like, how did we get here? How did we get to the place in our lives where we haven't been moving particular areas? And how can we look at those things and as we are looking forward to those habits and disciplines, identify those things so that God can begin the process of healing and restoring those areas to start getting us moving again in those particular areas. We're actually going to look at eight different things. Now listen, th this is just eight. There could be a hundred of these. So I may not cover all of them that you kind of identify in your own life, but that's okay. God will speak to you if that's what you need. But I think these are kind of eight that I see probably the most that we need to look at this morning. So the first one is complacency. Complacency. In our walk with God, we kind of get complacent. We kind of get to the place where it just is kind of the same old, same old all over again. In fact, I've had people literally come into my office and talk to me and, and basically say this, like, like I've kind of done it all. And I'm like, what, what do you mean? Like, what are you talking about? Well, you know, I've, 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 I give, and I, I do this, and I do that, and, and, and I read my Bible, and I pray, and all this sort of stuff. And, and they're kind of explaining, like, like I, there's, there's nothing new. There's nothing deeper. There's nothing more. And complacency kind of does that. It kind of robs us of the understanding that God always has more. That there is always something deeper. And you know what I find a lot of times when I look at the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the scribes and the teachers of the law, a lot of them had this kind of idea and kind of belief. They had kind of arrived. You ever heard that word? They've arrived. And here's the danger about complacency and feeling like you've arrived is sometimes we arrive at the wrong spot. I know in my own life, like I've, oh, well, this is what God's word says. And I, blah, 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 blah. And then, then God begins to reveal some things. And I go, maybe I, I didn't understand this quite right. Complacency robs you of that. Because you think, I got it all figured out. I understand it all. I get it all. Sometimes there's some areas in our lives that God wants to break us out of the complacency so that we can understand that maybe we haven't got it all figured out yet. And you know what? Listen, it's okay that you don't have it all figured out yet. God is pretty complex. 
In fact, he says that basically your wisdom is foolishness to him. And we're going to spend all eternity, hear me here, all eternity exploring God. And I'm excited about that. Because I don't know about you, like, I don't like to get bored. I don't like to be like, I got it all figured out. You know, like, like there's certain areas of, of study that I really enjoy. I'm not talking about Bible, but like, like history and stuff like that. And it's like, I get like bored with it. I'm like, I know all this stuff. And there's something exciting when I learn something new about a certain battle or a certain situation or a certain person. And that excites me. Like, can you imagine eternity? And that can start today, by the way, where every day God's mercies are new. There's something else that God expresses about who he is. Like, that's like, that gets me excited. I'm like, God, I want more of that. But when we get to a place of complacency, we've kind of said we got it all figured out. And instead, God wants to take us by the hand and say, listen, I got deeper things. I got more mysteries for you to experience with me. And I love that. Look at 2 Peter 1, 5 through 8. Listen to what he says here. He says, for this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness and to goodness knowledge and to knowledge self-control and to self-control perseverance and to perseverance godliness and to godliness mutual affection and mutual affection love. So listen to what he says now. He says, all that great stuff. All that stuff that quite honestly, you're not going to get to a place where you're like, you know what? I have enough self-control. Not going to happen. <laughs> okay? If you think you have, guess what? You have just proven you have no self-control. I'm teasing. Okay? But listen to what he says. For if you possess these qualities, again, underline this. Put this so you see it when you look at the scripture. In increasing measure. You see, some of us have these things. But God says, I want to increase the measure of your love. I want to increase the measure of your knowledge. I want to increase the measure of your godliness. He says, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. You know what I think about when I think about someone who has complacency in their life? They're ineffective and unproductive. Complacency will keep you there where when we continue to move forward, we will find in our hearts and our lives that instead of being ineffective, we'll become effective and be productive. Number two, next thing that keeps us from moving, doubt. Doubt. I always think about doubt. I always think of the idea of the what ifs in life. The what ifs. What if this happens? What if that happens? What if I don't do this or I do do this? What, you know, sometimes one of the biggest questions we have to ask in our life is what do you do with the what ifs? Because listen, we all have what ifs. But what do you do with them? Because I have found that for sometimes in my life and others, the what ifs paralyze us. And because we don't have the answers, because the doubt has grown and come in, we stop moving. We almost say, you know what? I want the what ifs answered before I'll move. And scripture over and over and over again tells us stories and gives us examples of people who move when the what ifs are still right in the forefront. 
And yet God uses them. God grows them. God uses them to make an impact in their lives and in their families, in their society, and really in the world. Look at James 1.6. I love what James says here. He says, but, it, it says, but let him ask in faith. Let him ask in faith with no doubting. No doubting. For the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. Doubt, listen, doubt robs you of direction. Do you get that? Okay? Think about it. Many of you have been to the ocean or seen the ocean or, or watched a video of the ocean, waves coming in. And you know what? Those waves can be tossed and blown many, many different directions, not at the desire of the wave, but at the discretion of the wind. Doubt keeps you from moving. It keeps you from especially moving in the direction that God wants you to move. Don't let the what-ifs keep you from moving towards maturity. Number three, number three, distractions. Distractions. And, you know, and here's the deal. Like, we talk a lot about distractions in our culture today. I mean, you, you go to any pretty news website or whatever, and you can find studies about distraction and how distracted we are and all these sort of things. And, and I, I kind of found this as kind of, for me at least, what distraction has kind of boiled down to as far as a definition of distraction. And, again, I boiled this down real simply for me because I'm a simple person. But distraction defined to me is just, is just misplaced attention. It's misplaced attention. It's, it's not necessarily attention that, that, that is not there. It's just misplaced. We're focusing on things that aren't as important as the most important thing. We just finished a whole series about Jesus being over it all. And in those series, we talked about how there's lots of great things that you can put second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, and so on and so on. But Jesus has to be first. Sometimes, we talked about this a little bit, this idea of distraction keeps us from putting Jesus where he belongs. We, instead of putting our attention where it needs to be, it's, it's, it's misplaced. And we miss it in things because of that. We forget to grow in certain areas because we're not focusing correctly and where God would want us to focus in that moment. Look at Mark 8, 36. He says, what good is it for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? That's a person who has misplaced attention. There's somebody that gained it all but lost what was most important. And, and here's the thing. Some of us, we forget that often. We forget to make sure that the distractions of life, and listen, I get it. I get distracted too, and some of those things are like pretty heavy stuff. But sometimes I have to take a step back. And I don't always do it perfectly, but take that step back and go, you know what, my attention isn't where it needs to be. Because here's what I found, okay? All of these things we're going to talk about this morning, they're very interchangeable. They're, they're not, usually it's just not one over here all by itself. There's several things that are kind of intertwined in our own lives. But when I have distractions, I tend to allow some of these other things to happen. When I'm distracted, doubt usually comes in. Does that make sense? 
Like I'm not focusing on Jesus and his promises and what he has for my life. I'm distracted with other things. And so because of that, these other things kind of begin to also manifest themselves in my heart and my life. And so a lot of these things do work together. So you need to realize that. Okay, number four. Number four, failure. Failure. I don't know how many times I've had people come into my office and basically say something like this, Aaron, I tried and it just didn't work. Aaron, I tried to read my Bible. Aaron, I tried to pray. Aaron, I tried to do the right thing. Aaron, I tried to not, not respond in this way and I failed. And listen, I understand nobody likes to fail. Failing is not fun. <laughs> Failing is hard. But I'm going to tell you something. This book is full of failures. This book is full of people that if you basically say, let me tell you a story about this guy. And I begin to tell you his life. Success or failure? Failure. Failure. Under man's ideas and man's thoughts, failure. But yet, God takes these failures and changes the world. You go, Aaron, I'm a failure. Like, good. I, I mean, I'm not good, but you know what I mean? Like, you're in good company. I'm a failure. Moses was a failure. Peter was a failure. Paul was a failure. David was a failure. Abraham was a failure. Noah was a failure. It's one of the reasons I know this word is true. Because think about it. Who writes a book and goes, make sure you put all the failures in there. Make sure you show everybody's worst day. Hey, 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 Peter, let's write a book about you. Okay, okay, Mark, let's do that. Hey, make sure you put the part in where Jesus says, get behind me, Satan, and I deny him three times. Make sure that's in there. Please. Oh, oh, listen, when all the disciples run away, make sure that's there. Oh, listen, when David, you know, the apple of God's eye, commits murder and adultery, make sure we get that in there. That needs to be there. Failures. Failure after failure after failure. And all of them could have said, you know what? I give up. I quit. I didn't do it right. And I believe the reason why they're in here, and listen, we got some, listen, there's them, I can show you. There's some that failed and sat and said, I give up. But the ones you look at and I look at as people that we want to like use their lives to help us in ours, they're the ones that said, you know what? I'm going to keep moving. I'm not going to let it stop me. Yes, I failed. Yes, I messed up. Yes, I didn't do it. But you know what? With God's help, I'm going to be a success this time. Because what failure does is it keeps us from understanding that there is no failure that is too big that God can't transform. Not a single one. You go, but Aaron, I did this. And I go, I'm sorry, but God is still bigger. He can take that failure and change it and use it for his kingdom and his glory. We allow that to keep us from moving Aaron, I tried to grow. Aaron, I tried to do this, and it didn't work. Okay, okay, I get it. But today, we're not going to keep that from moving us forward. We'll learn from it and move forward. Move from it, 
learn from it and move forward. Number five, fear. Fear. We're afraid. You see, here's what I've learned. You know why I'm comfortable in my house and I may not be comfortable someplace else? I'm very comfortable there because it's safe. You take me downtown Denver, I might not feel so safe. Why will there be fear that comes apart? Well, because I'm not comfortable in that area. I don't have situations and safeguards in that area. Fear can keep you from moving. It can literally paralyze you. It can literally paralyze you. And it keeps you from allowing God to do what he wants to do in your heart and your life. Okay, listen. We all get scared. We all get news that is not easy and that's hard. We all experience fear. But what we do with the fear matters. And it matters in probably greater ways than any of us understand. And it's interesting that we see in Scripture God dealing with fear because of that, I believe. Look what it says here. Listen, 1 John 4, 18. Now listen, I'm using, and this is in your notes, you see that ICB? I don't always use this translation. You know what ICB? Who's going to win the, the star for the day? No one will know this, and that's fine. You know what that ICB is? Are you ready? International Children's Bible. I thought that was good. Because you know what? I thought, how am I going to explain this? Listen to what the International Child's Bible, Children's Bible says. And let this transform your life. Where God's love is, there is no fear. No fear. Because God's perfect love takes away fear. Now, let's break this down, okay? Let's use the International Children's Bible to teach some adults something. What does this say? Simple. Perfect love is going to remove fear. You're going to have fear. I'm going to have fear. What do we do with our fear? Because that's usually the question. What do we do with it? We let God's perfect love take it away. Now, how do we do that, we ask? You see, some of us want to say, I'm not going to be afraid. I'm not going to be afraid. I'm not going to be afraid. Ah, I'm still afraid. Instead of going, God, I'm concerned. I'm afraid. I have your perfect love. And because I have your perfect love, will you take that fear away? Let him take it away. And when he does that, then we say, and where that love was, the place in my life, in my heart, where that, that fear was, put more of your perfect love in it. So what we're doing is we're removing fear and we're giving a double portion of God's perfect love. 
John writes in this, the context of all of this is this idea of punishment and fear of punishment. And we don't have to have fear because of God's perfect love. There's no punishment. That's why we fear a lot of times. We're afraid of negative and bad things happening to you and me. But when God's perfect love comes in, it doesn't remove the fact that there's going to be hard times in our life. But when we have the perfect love of God, we don't have to have a lifestyle of fear. Instead, we can say, yep, that's concerning. Yep, that's fear. But I got perfect love in my heart, so I don't have to let that affect my movement. I can move forward. Even though I'm afraid, I don't know what may be around the next turn, I have his perfect love, and I can move forward. Number six, a lack of passion. A lack of passion. Now, let me explain something to you, because I I learned this early on in my life, because I I can be a little bit um, excitable. Thank you for laughing. Yeah. I, I can be a little passionate. It's, I've always said it's one of my, probably my, my great strengths and probably also one of my great weaknesses. And, and what I've learned is, is passion needs to be, you know, in the right place for it to be powerful and purposeful, okay? But passion is really important. And, and, and passion can be displayed in many, many different ways. Like, I'm probably, it, you laughed at me because everybody knows, yes, we've seen you get excited, you know? You realize that you can be passionate and not be passionate as far as how I express it. Like, I've seen some people that are quiet, but mm, passionate. Don't get fooled into how it's expressed to say, well, I'm more quiet, so I don't know. No, passion is a part of who you are. God has helped it to help you to keep moving. Look what it says in Romans 12. In Romans 12, it says, love must be sincere. Now tell me if this doesn't talk about like passionate things. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourself. Verse number 11. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Like for some of us, we've just kind of gone to sleep. We just kind of like... Hmm. Apathy's kind of set in. And some of us need to kind of let that zeal kind of be like, you know what? You know, I'm, I can be excited about what God's doing in my life. I can know that no matter what we face on this world, that God's got us. That he wins in the end. It doesn't matter what the score seems to be in the fourth inning, because I know at the end of the game, we win. Because Jesus wins. And I can kind of be excited about that. I can know that no matter what I face, he is in me is stronger than anything in the world. And I can say, you know what? I'm okay. I'm good. And let that zeal and that fervor come out. Let that passion be directed in the right place. Because sometimes we're passionate, but we're passionate about the wrong things. We need to be passionate about the things of God, not necessarily the things of this world. Number seven, pain. Pain. You ever heard the old joke with the, the doctor? Doctor, doctor. Yes, yes, what can I do for you? It hurts when I do this. Hmm. Hmm. 
don't do this anymore. That'll be $150. Thank you. Pain keeps us from movement. Hurt keeps us from movement. I know in my own life, when I've, when I've injured areas, it hurts. When, when, when you find out people, oh, you know, you know, you know what do you, where, where, I had an appointment. Oh, really, what was your appointment? I went to physical therapy. Isn't that a lovely term? It's a lie, but it's a beautiful term. Sorry, Alicia. Physical, this sounds so nice, like you're going to a spa. Physical therapy. Instead, it's kind of like, how much pain can we produce in your body today? Now, it's all good. It's for a purpose. It's to keep you moving and to help you grow and get some strength back. But you know what? It hurts. And there's a lot of people that say the pain is too great to grow. Aaron, you don't know what happened to me. You don't know what that pastor did to me. You know what? I don't. I'm sorry. You don't know what my father did. You don't know what my mother did. You don't know what my spouse did. It hurts. I get it. And when we have that pain, you know what we typically tend to do? We tend to basically say, you know what? I'll learn to live with it. I'll learn to live with the pain. It'll be okay. And we miss the freedom that God has for us. Listen, I love you. I don't care if this is your first Sunday here. I don't care if you've been here longer than I have been. I love you and I care about you and I don't want you to live life in pain because I believe God has freedom and healing for you. And you go, you know what, Aaron, but it's been big and it's been festering and it's been 30 years. And I go, you know what? Our God is big enough to handle it all. And he wants to bring healing and restoration to your life. You see, what we have to understand is Jesus basically said, you know what? There's going to be life. You're going to have trouble. You're going to have pain. But take heart. I've overcome it. I've overcome everything. It means that no matter how much pain you have and you experience in this life, because you will, there's something greater that can heal it and restore it and put all the pieces back together again. So don't let pain keep you from moving. Yeah, it may hurt a little bit, it may, it's good. Listen, there's going to be areas that you're going to start moving over the next several weeks, and you know what? You're going to go, ah. Oh. Yep. But you know what? You move it a little bit more. Okay. A little bit more, and a little bit more, and a little bit more. And God begins to do a healing in your heart and your life, and you're going to wake up one day, and you're going to go, oh, it didn't hurt. And you're going to celebrate the complete and total healing that God has done in your heart and your life. Now, God could do that in an immediate moment, God could take years, he could take weeks, he could take months. That's on him. He decides. But I truly believe that every single one of us can experience freedom from pain because of the healing he does. Number eight, the last one. Again, all these kind of go together a little bit. Questions. Questions keep us from moving. Who's going to help me? What's it going to look like? What do I do now? All those things can be something that kind of comes into our heart and our life. And here's the thing. Scripture, and again, I could, I could have brought this up over, you know, several different places. 
But over and over and over again, Scripture shows us people that don't have the answers that still move. Abraham didn't even know where he was going. God just said, go, I'll let you know when you get there. I'm like, I'm sorry, like me, I, I, I like to know. I'm not good at that area. I, I sometimes allow the questions, or maybe this way to put it, the lack of answers to keep me from moving. You know, God, you want me to do that? You want me to go there? Now, here's what I found. If God would sit me down, and he hasn't yet, so don't expect this. You know, he could, but don't expect it. If God sat me down and said, Aaron, okay, listen, this is why I'm doing this. This is why, because in 20 years, this is going to need to happen, and you're going to have this experience, and you're going to be able to share this experience, and it's going to minister to that person, and that person's going to minister to so-and-so, and blah, 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 blah. And you know what I found? I really believe this. If we had all the answers, we would totally be on board. Totally. Because God's plans are better than your plans. Like, totally be on board. We don't have enough faith or trust to move without the answers, even though we know God's plans are bigger and better than ours. God didn't tell you you were going to get all the answers. God told you to move. God told you to grow. God told you, listen, even if you don't, do you trust me enough to trust that my plans are better than yours? Don't let questions keep you from moving. As we close this morning, I want to look at Romans 12. In Romans 12, 1 through 2, and, and, and I want to kind of let this kind of be kind of our closing verse and kind of things to kind of look at as we kind of move into the, the end here, but I, I used the amplified version because I really liked kind of how it amplified the verse. Because it is a verse that many of us have heard before. But Romans 12, starting with verse number 1, it says this. It says, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies. Now, what that means is this idea of dedicating all of yourselves and setting apart. Okay? And here's the deal. Paul wrote this to a church in Rome thousands of years ago. And if I had even the slightest ability to write to you something today, I'd write something like this as we move into this series. What I am urging you to do as well, as Paul is urging them and also urging us. He says, to live as a living sacrifice, whole, holy, excuse me, and well-pleasing to God, which is your rational, I love that, this idea of logical and intelligent act of worship. And do not be conformed to this world. And what that world or what that means is the idea of being any longer with its superficial values and customs. But be transformed and progressively changed. Progressively changed which is this idea of as you mature spiritually. And then he says, by the renewing of your mind, which is this idea of focusing not on the world and their unethical values, but instead on godly values and ethical attitudes. Over the next several weeks, we're going to break down those habits and those, those things that ought to fall under this idea of those godly values and ethical attitudes so that you may prove for yourself what the will of God is 
and that will of God is good and acceptable and perfect. And what that means is his plan and his purposes for you are good, acceptable, and perfect. And one of those things that is so vital is your growing, your progressive movement. You being willing to look at areas of your heart and your life and saying, I need to get it moving here. So as we close this morning, I want to challenge you with something. And this is a challenge that, that I really want it to be over the next several, several days. In fact, I really want it to be a challenge for you um, for the next seven days. I want you to be thinking about it because, again, as we move into the series a little bit deeper and kind of begin to break all this down, it, it's, it's, it's important. Because, again, this morning we talked about what keeps us from moving. So, so the question I have for you this morning is simply this. And, and here's the deal. If you're like me, there may be one that you, I didn't talk about and there may be multiples. But I, I feel fairly confident really confident that for all of us, there's at least one thing on that list, one of those eight that we could go, you know what, that right there, that is keeping me from moving. And, and again, if you're like me, you maybe count off two or three things. And what I'd ask for you to do, you know, this is one of those altar calls, you know, if that makes sense, that doesn't end today. It goes throughout Monday, today, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, all the way to next Sunday. I would ask that you would surrender that area to God every day, maybe multiple times a day. You say, Aaron, what, what does that mean? You're, you're, you're kind of churchy speaking. Yeah, I get it. Let me, let me explain. What I want you to do as far as surrender goes, I want you to give it to Jesus. I want maybe multiple times a day, maybe, but at least once, whatever area it is, just be with Jesus. I give my doubt to you. Remember we talked about fear and how God's perfect love takes it away? You know how that love's taken away? We give it to him. We, or that fear, we give it to him. So maybe it is fear. God, I'm afraid. God, I'm afraid. And, and, and maybe mention the things that you're afraid of, but even that's not necessary. God knows. And say, Jesus, I give that to you. I give my fear to you so that it won't keep me from moving so that it won't inhibit my movement. I give it to you. Maybe it's complacency. Whatever it is, will you, will you commit to that? Because here's what I've learned. The things that keep us from moving, if we try to do it on our own, it usually doesn't work very well. And when it does work, it doesn't work to the fullness that God wants to do when he does it in our lives. But I bet you there's several things here and you look at it and you go, yeah, Holy Spirit read my mail. It's that. That's what's keeping me from moving, growing, maturing. And you see, as we begin to look at attitudes and habits over the next several weeks that get us to move, we first need to let God heal and deal with the things that are keeping us from moving. 
So whatever that is in your heart, in your life, we're going to pray, and then we're going to be dismissed, and Jason's Deli, and all that good stuff. But this, this time doesn't end right now. It's an all-week thing. And I'd ask that you just call out to God. And listen, I'm going to be doing it too because there's areas in my life that I need to move, that I've let get stagnant, that I need to grow in, just like everybody else. So I'm going to be praying with you that God will help me to give that to Him so that I can grow and let those things be increasing in measure in my life. So Jesus, we come to you right now, and God, you're so good. Thanks for loving us so much. Thanks for desiring and making a way for us to grow. Because when we grow, we become more like you, which is an awesome thing. And the peace and the joy and the love and the patience and the kindness and the self-control, all the fruit of the Spirit just begin to grow in us because we're becoming more like you. And so God, we've talked about some areas of immobility or that cause it. God, I know there are things that I didn't bring up that you are bringing up right now to the hearts and the lives of individuals that are here and even online. And God, whatever that is, God, I'll start right now. God, I surrender those things to you. God, I can't deal with them on my own and they're keeping me from growing. And so God, I give you my failure. God, I give you the areas of my life where I didn't do it right, or wasn't good enough in my mind or my own understanding. And it's kept me from saying, you know, I want to take that step again or, or move in that area again. God, I give that to you. I surrender that to you. And God, in its place, will you bring confidence? Will you bring a love knowing that I'm your son and that you've got me? And no matter if I fail a thousand more times, you'll always be there to pick me up and help me put the pieces back together. God, I surrender that to you. And God, I pray that every single one of us in areas of our heart and our lives that have kept us from moving forward, that we would surrender that to you as well and allow you, you, to help us. Help us to partner with you and allow you to do the healing and restorative movement back in those areas. Jesus, you're so good. And we thank you for this day and this time. And God, we pray that everyone would remember that this week, it would be a week of surrender, and it would be a week of getting limbered up for the movement and the growth and the maturing that you have for every single one of us over the next several weeks. We love you. We thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, so you got homework this week, okay? And I know God is going to meet you, and I know he's going to change you. It's going to be awesome, all right? So listen, hope you have a great week. Remember, if you don't have lunch plans, we're heading over to Jason's Deli. And also, there's a lot going on, ladies' groups and men's groups and, and community groups later on this month. So a lot going. So if you have any questions or need anything, please let me know. Don't forget them. Have a great week. We'll see you at lunch or see you soon.